There is a recurring temptation. <laughs> Pauline Hanson's wanting about like uh, Banquo's ghost. What is transgression is not sex. No, no, listen to me. I'm no problem with riots. Falling in love is a problem. I don't have to be helpful. Wait, why do I have to be helpful? Look at our priceless art collection and I think, what a great country. I'm good for it. Hello and welcome to this week's hastily cobbled together episode of Humidorm coming to you live from a venue that has a dog and therefore I won't be able to speak for a very long period of time because he's likely to start squeezing things and beeping and barking and making a lot of noise. This week on Humidorm we have a live cross to the 30th birthday of a friend of ours, Bacchanal, um, a drunken rampage that was attended by all of our regular contributors. Uh, so looking forward to that. We'll be speaking to Jenny Sonta for the Spew Review, looking at Australia's Immigration Minister Peter Dutton. Linaxis discusses Casino Mike and his rampage against democracy in New South Wales. And all of your questions will be answered in Ask Us Literally Anything with our agony aunt, William Buckley. Stay tuned. I never explain anything. I You're doubt not many of my colleagues spend <laughs> a lot of time yeah. with you, Sophie. <laughs> <laughs> My fatty ointment isn't working. Joining us now from our Newcastle studio, his bedroom. It's not a bedroom. I have an office. <laughs> I have a room with not with two desks. So you've escalated the number of desks on our last aborted conversation. Well, only one desk has bench space available. The other desk is covered in, literally covered in old gaming systems and Warhammer. How old are we talking? Uh, I have an Atari 2600 there at the moment. I'm trying to get working. I've only got one working controller. I'm trying for a second. You could just get an emulator, surely. Uh, emulators aren't collectible, Pat. This is serious business. <laughs> so, <laughs> in the last, we're joined by Vanaxis. Mm-hmm. And in the last five hours, we've just had an announcement from Mike Baird's government that they will be raising the price of Opal across the board and getting rid of free opal travels after your first eight journeys. Vinaxis, what are your thoughts? Well, look, I mean, I'm not surprised because once upon a time, Mike Baird was actually very charming and he was the most likable of liberal leaders, certainly in my lifetime, and um, who was still serving, I, I should follow up on. And, you know, and so even though it was not the government I would have preferred, like, you know, he was charming, he was affable, and I'm like, oh, this is terrible. He's going to win elections forever. Mm. And then I think, you know, uh, Campbell Newman got pushed to the side. You know, we lost the the silly nutters down in Victoria, you know, and he's like, well, he had to step up to the game to be the dickhead, uh, maybe to show that he's capable for, for federal leadership because, you know, you can't be the head of the federal liberal, uh, liberal party, as Malcolm Turnbull shown, without being a remorseless bastard. So um, I'm not surprised. I'm only surprised that it doesn't go further and it doesn't start to just charge pensioners more after they've made five journeys for being annoying. Um, what I think is interesting is I wish that once again the media would be like, well, when you brought in Opal and you cut the ability for people to buy weekly, monthly, quarterly and yearly tickets as a discounted rate, you said, oh, they'll get this instead. And in many cases, they'll work out better off. 
Well, is he going to be held account on that? I mean, I seriously doubt it because mm-hmm. who's going to hold, like the City Morning Herald is too busy. Well, I mean, it does occasionally run good journalism, true, and the Daily Telegraph. I mean, that's not even a paper. No. That is, I mean, it literally is almost not even a paper. Like if if the journalism itself wasn't so bad, the rest is just ads. Like well, you only have to read an Aphon catalogue. You only have to look at News Corp's um, campaign against that Duncan Storer over the past week. That. I mean, that is disgraceful. Mm. And if we had a real press council with actual teeth, they would be seriously censured because it is, it's a terrible path where, I mean, what was his crime? He asked quite a good question on a public forum program. Mm. Yeah, so he had a somewhat shady past. Well, it's not as bad as many people. But it's not only that. The the, the past of the man doesn't matter. No, it it says nothing to the question. And, I mean, it, it, it is the... You know, it is the very thing of, of ad hominis to go for the go for the asker rather than the question, but it's not a, it's not a newspaper's place to do that. Now, for bloggers and that to do that, people like Larry Pick, Larry Pickering, that is expected, but for proper masthead papers, that's scandalous, and we've never really had that in Australia. Obviously, the UK has had it, led by Murdoch. And America's had some of it, and I, so I think it's actually really sad to me. It, it, it's you know it's one more nail in the in the coffin of journalism, because not just you know that we all accept it as the standard of terrible journalism now, but kids that are going to school like in high school now that are thinking about going into journalism that will be that that will be ex- accepted. You know that that's just the the practice that they are that they are raised in. And that- and you- about it if the journalists that are so terrible now were raised under a generation where journal- journalists were excellent mm. how terrible is the next generation going to be absolutely and that's what allows people like mike bear to just thrive because he's a very shrewd political operator who does terrible horrific things i mean the opal thing today and that's getting a lot of press what's not getting press is they've made changes to the legislation for you know, security and whatnot. So many people know that you can be detained for up to two weeks without legal counsel or without anyone really knowing we've been under the idea that you may be a terrorist or have something to do with it. That's now been included to children up to the eight, as low as 14. So you can have a 14-year-old child disappeared for two weeks. I mean, in, in, in Australia, that's, that's some third-world dictatorship-level awful like and you only have to look at his trampling over councils to get the West Connects through. Well, and I mean this it's to get West Connects through and then so we've got these appointed administrators, a lot of them that have very suspicious ties to numerous corporate dealings and they have control of all these DAs for the next 18 months. Hmm. Like it's just stupid. Oh, it's not stupid. I mean it should be a criminal act. So, Access, thank you very much for your time this week. If you can sum up uh, Mike Baird in one word, what is it? Oh, cunt. <laughs> I mean, unfortunately, that is an Australian word that can sum up so many things, and sometimes it can be a good or a bad word, but no, he is he is a cunt. And you know what? I reckon after this week, you all know for a fact that if he was your neighbour, he'd be the sort of person that would dob you into council because you cut a tree down, but then would fucking put in a pool without telling anyone because he's a cunt. Thank you, Vanaxis. <laughs> Bacchanal was a fairly regular tradition uh, of a party held by a friend of ours, David, for quite some time. And the final instalment of the party took place 
about a week ago. We took along the microphone to record some humidorm live from the party. Here's the unedited highlights. With the recording now. Welcome to this episode of Humidorm, coming to you live from Henry Street in Leichhardt, where the Rome's invaded by the Goths. Well, the party's theme. The party's theme is. The party's theme is the fall of Rome. I am joined now by the host of the Spew Review, Jenny Sonta. Jenny, good evening. And I am also joined by one of Humidum's hosts, Miriam Taylor. Miriam. Hi, everybody. And I'm also joined by Vanaxis. Vanaxis. The dance room is so full of shit and boring people. It's sweatier than a hoarder building, but it smells like AIDS. This is Humidum coming to you live from the end of the Roman Empire. The fall of the Roman Empire. The end of the world. <laughs> Labour has fallen and it is literally, we are sitting out here surrounded by cigarette smoke and drinking our this Red Bull. This is what Bull. I imagine it's like when Constantine took over and made it a monotheistic religion. Full of, was bored to death. Full of faggots. So in our live episode of Humidum, we're coming to you from James Barrow's bedroom. And now let me put you on the phone to James Barrow while Beyonce is speaking. James, what do you think of the party so far? The party's been pretty good so far. I'd just like to welcome you to my bedroom. You'll see the Caligula is playing on the uh, TV screen here, and there are red lights. Of course, you can't see this in the podcast, but you can understand the general sex dungeon vibe I'm going for. For this year, I thought... I'm not going to push against the crowd. I'm just going to facilitate what eventually always happens in this room. People fucking on my bed. Look, Caligula is sort of going in that direction right now, I can see, and there's a fair amount of uh, butt feeling going on there. Well, this is what I love about the 70s. They do brave work. Some people have said that this is pornography. I say it's art. <laughs> and uh, we'll have a, be a special edition of What the Fuck Am I Looking At later on with Georgina McNeil. Who is also at this party, Dr. Georgina McNeil, discussing the latest Vogue Metball movie which has been released, which we're really looking forward to. As am I, Pat. Dr. Georgina McNeil joins me now, live, live at, uh, I can't even remember what the party's called, we're all so drunk. Dr. Georgina McNeil. A number of people who are hosts of Humidum have already introduced themselves, but if you'd like to tell us what's your assessment of the party so far, what the fuck am I looking at? Um, what I'm looking at is a lot of twinks, a lot of the people who were not popular at school and now find themselves as adults with alcohol and boobs, and everyone's just like real excited about it. Daniel Stone, tell me about it. They were basically really that and then they turned 18 lost a lot of weight got really drunk people wanted them and they were like i will take all of it so basically we're talking about the party for people who at school were uncool and no one wanted to know and now everyone wishes they were here yep that's basically what i'm describing yeah yeah Yeah. later on what the fuck am i looking at and i think we're going to stare at that glowing torso inside i think so i think so artistic analysis kind of torsos to be fair you should stay right there because you have like you are wonderfully and you deserve a photograph of this. Tonight on our special edition of episode of Humidum coming live from Bacchanal Five, the fifth ep- the fifth party of Bacchanal, um, a hedonistic party in Leichhardt in the inner west, 
and we've been going out of our way to offend as many people as possible, but I'm joined now by uh, a very respected individual, Miss Ellie Howes. Please tell me, Ellie, what do you think of the health implications of Bacchanal? <laughs> well, look, um, it's all fun and games till someone gets hurt. <laughs> and to what extent do you think people are getting hurt by massive consumption of alcohol, a lot of cigarettes kicking around? Like, what do you think is the biggest health risk at this party? I think the biggest health risk at this party is that people are being too boring for their own good. <laughs> I actually think there's a really big problem with boring people. How do we resolve that problem? Like, from a public health perspective, how do we cure boringness? I think people need to actually do at the Bacchanale what would actually happen at old Bacchanales, which is rampant huge orgies. Everyone would drink until they throw up. Everyone would eat until they throw up. And then everyone would just have sex with every single thing that moved, including animals. So... <laughs> there is a legitimate public health opinion coming to you <laughs> from an academic live from Leichhardt. Go hard or go home, babies. <laughs> Take the advice of the presets. We'll be back. I'm now speaking to former host of Surge. Was it Surge FM? It was indeed, Patrick. I'm joined by another Patrick tonight. Patrick Mazzarani. Savant. Two parts idiot, one part savant, Patrick. And it's fantastic to be here on Humidum. I've been loving the podcast. It's just fantastic. It's a shame Miriam can't be here with us. She's across the other side of the party. But it's just great to be a part of things. Miriam's already recorded a stream of abuse for the people at the party tonight. And our goal tonight was actually to offend as many inner west lefties as possible. Well, I can tell you, Pat, I'm wearing tonight a placard which is remarkably uh, often quoted as the most offensive sentence ever written in any language uh in humanity's history. And please tell us what is that sentence? Pedicabo ego voset irmabo 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 now irmabo is an interesting word very 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 scarce roots for irmabo but loosely translates Pat and I use the word loosely quite deliberately <laughs> I will sodomize you and face fuck you what an appropriate thing for uh, Bacchanal, actually. The exactly. fifth iteration. Catullus' 16th Carmen, so a fantastic piece of poetry where he's protesting uh, the the uh, contemporary Roman sense of masculinity that somehow somebody who had an interest in poetry and a liar couldn't be a man. So he said, look, I'm going to be a poet, I'm going to be a man, I'm going to start my fucking poem with I'm going to face fuck you and sodomize you. And how do you think this translates into the contemporary inner west of Sydney? Well, the contemporary inner west conception of masculinity is conflicted. It's absolutely conflicted. You just have to go to brunch at any cafe in Sydney and realise masculinity is conflicted in this town. I think it's something they could well do uh, with a bit of uh, rehearsal around the city. Pat Mazzarani, thank you very much for your time. It's been great to be with you, Pat. I'm recording many people. We're wanting to just drink it and use it. Okay, in our live episode... Oh, that was split a lot. In our live episode of Humidum, coming to us live from the fifth iteration of... The fourth iteration of Bacchanal, and also David Barrow's 
30th birthday party and I bring you live to the host of our party, David Barrow. David, welcome to Humidum. Hi, hello, welcome. I'm having a fantastic time. You've actually been heard. You've actually been heard once before on Humidum, unidentified. Now tell me, what's your observation about the party tonight? If you could send us away with some philosophical thought to retain, what is it? Celebration is an integral part of life, and without it, we become dry husks. So drink up. And listen to that, listeners of Humidum, because you're all dry husks, else you wouldn't be listening to us. <laughs> Jenny, I like this song. Well, the night's bottomed out into an absolute travesty of human blah. I don't even know how to describe it because it's so disgusting. But what I do know is that tonight, to describe it, we've actually got celebrity guest host from Surge FM. We've got... Pat Maserani here, so please tell me, Pat, how's the night going for you? Let me just say, it's a pleasure as always being the cover of a fellow Pat. Uh, Welcome to Humidum. I'm not quite as sceptical as where things have ended up. What is it, like fucking three o'clock? Just uh, punch that uh, screensaver there. It's, it's exactly 2:59. three. It's exactly 3 p.m. It's just got exactly 3 a.m. We haven't even ordered an Ubus yet, so it might not No, be. it's 3 a.m. No, I, an Ubus. I mean, is, what is that? Is that a profession? Are you, you're an Ubus? I think you'd be. I think you'd. I think you'd, I think you'd, you'd be Anubis. Um. There's an eyebrow raised from Jenny. Then. No, like if if Jenny was dead in Egypt, I'd just be like goddess worship. Stop worshiping Jenny. She's not a goddess. She's disgraceful. Is she? Those fertility goddess things they always dig up from the Paleolithic era. Well, we can easily put that to the test. Um, well, I think the we'll probably run out of battery recording for that. It's disgraceful. Well, look, you can't get too much out of a plastic clay model. Jenny is a plastic clay model. A real shit one. What? Are you doing the human And mixed with alcohol, we turn into raging brutes. Distorting reality. Uh, joining us from a bowling club is... Jenny Sonta for the Spear Review. Tell us, Jenny, who are we reviewing this week? Uh, so this week we're looking at Peter They Took Her Jerbs Dutton, otherwise known as the Professional Human Potato. <laughs> uh, so I'll just read you a quote that he that he said today. Uh, many of you, or last night, he might. Many people might have heard it. Uh, he says about refugees: for many people, they won't be, you know, numerate or literate in their own language, let alone English. These people will be taking Australian jerbs. There's no question about that. For many of them, that would be unemployed. They would languish in unemployment queues and on Medicare and the rest of it. So there would be a huge cost and there's no sense in sugarcoating that. That's the scenario. So within one breath, he's talked about these people coming over and taking our jobs and then also hanging out in unemployment queues and the rest, which is mm. clearly definite. Uh, yeah. I mean, Medicare is a, is a right you don't languish on it. Like, <laughs> this is ridiculous. Like, are there speechwriters like on acid or something? Because they are terrible. So there's two things about Peter Dutton as well. Number one was that meme that got done of him. Yeah. Which is just wonderful. Mm. Um, but the other thing is someone made the argument that perhaps he's been just let off the leash so that the issue becomes asylum seekers. Well, well, this this is it because this is obviously a sign of the Liberal Party's panic. 
because it, when you when you apply any uh, you know measure of logic to it there there is none so it's one of those fear tactics i mean he literally talks about stopping the boats like nothing has changed yeah since tony abbott got the ass there nothing has changed people celebrated when he left but i said i thought no it's just another old rich white man in charge and it's still going to be the same old nonsense and jenny um we spoke in a previous episode about South Park imitating real life, but now I feel like real life is imitating South Park. Well, absolutely. I mean, it literally is they took her gerbs, and Peter Dutton is one step away from calling refugees goobacks. Like, it's going to happen. How many zesty garlic wraps does he get? <laughs> Peter Dutton gets zero zesty garlic wrap from me. Perhaps a festy garlic wrap. <laughs> yeah, well, he is a festive garlic wrap, like a, a festive potato wrap, because he doesn't deserve garlic. I mean, they're going against literally international doctrines that were decided on in the 50s, that it wasn't, you know, illegal to seek asylum. They're just mental, and they keep saying, no boats have crossed our borders since this sovereign thing's been enacted. There was a boat arrived 16 days ago. Like, mm. it's literally all lies. And all you have to do is go to The Guardian's website, which is turning into rubbish anyway, and read one article to tear through their tissue paper thin lies. So it's not even good deception. Mm. Like, it's so thin. Yeah. It's so blatant. And so, yeah, they get no zesty garlic wraps from me at all. I mean, I've eaten them all because I was so bored. Jenny Sonta, thank you for your time. It's a good James! <laughs> it's time for another episode of ask us literally anything the segment where we will literally answer any question that you might have as long as you send it to us in writing that's right any form of written question is permissible except for questions written on my bathroom mirror in blood while i'm asleep because that's just fucking creepy the more astute of our listeners may have noticed that I've been away from the podcast for quite a few episodes, and yes, I have been taking a hiatus, but I'm back, and I'm pleased to announce that I've now finished my extensive elective cosmetic surgery to make my facial features resemble one giant question mark so that people know that when it comes to answering questions, I mean business. And so, let's get this show on the road. Our first listener writes in to us and says, Help me, ask us literally anything. My six-year-old son keeps having seizures and coughing up blood. We've been to many medical practitioners, and yet no one can tell us what's wrong with him. We feel like we have no hope left. What can we do? Well, I'm going to start answering this question by hazarding a guess that, as a concerned parent, the first thing that you do when your, oh, let's call him little Johnny, starts having a seizure, and yes I am doing air quotation marks, and coughing up blood, is run to his side, make sure that there isn't anything dangerous in the area, check that his airway is free of obstruction. This is the worst thing that you can do, because little, let's call him Johnny, has learned to associate having a seizure with attention from his mother and father. What you need to do next time he starts having a seizure is ignore it. It will take time, but given enough seizures with no attention from mum or dad, he'll disassociate bucking around on the floor, frothing at the mouth with getting attention from mum and dad. You should supplement this strategy with spending quality time with your son, oh, let's call him little Johnny, doing things that you both like to do when he's not having a seizure. 
Our second reader writes in, what's the deal? Sometimes I just want to masturbate rather than have sex with my wife and she's really hot. Well, let me start by saying thank you for adding that qualifier at the end until I read that your wife is really hot. I was quite concerned that you'd married some feral bush pig, but it appears that's not the case, so good on you, sir. I suppose what I'm getting from this is that your own hand in terms of immaculate feminine beauty eclipses even your super hot wife. So if you would like to overcome your urge to masturbate rather than have sex with her, you might want to take steps to make your hand less attractive. Maybe start by no longer shaving your knuckles. Our third listener this evening writes in, in prose it seems, What is this harsh night, a cruel touch, unyielding, echoes of a long-forgotten moment, and a world not weighed down by scratching indecision, a world fully realised where silent screaming stops just once, but only ever a memory, a fleeting thought which reminds, which punishes, but which never arrives. Listener, a simple Google search reveals that there are no less than 15 creative writing workshops, poetry classes, courses that you can take within the city of Sydney, and I'm sure this applies equally to a capital city that's closest to you. Uh, At these workshops, you can pay good money to have somebody who's only slightly better than you at writing harshly criticise your work and give you some good pointers to make your work less unbearable. Our final listener this evening. I'm a young widow and a mother of three. I have a fiery temper and a strong will. I struck out on my own from an early age as I never got along well with my family. I didn't know my parents and my brother treated me like an object whose only purpose was to further his selfish goals. For a while, I was moving from success to success, truly discovering who I am as a person and realizing that my goal in life is to help the less fortunate. Things were going well, but I've recently found myself in a difficult situation after an incident at work got out of hand. Rather than face my critics, I chose to run from my problems. I soon found myself lost and alone, having burnt all my bridges behind me. Now, I've been taken prisoner, and I've been held within an ancient city of crones who inform me that my fate is to remain there for the rest of my days, the only hope of leaving being as ash rising from my own funeral pyre. Hmm. Well, Khaleesi, you know what you need to do. You need to take what is yours with fire and blood. And that's all for this week. See you next time. Flesh eating zombies. Oh my god, disgusting man! Demonic hill beasts. Never ending. It's just like the whole Gina's hole. That's it for this week's episode of Humidor. We'll be back in about two weeks' time, so keep your eyes peeled. Follow us on Facebook, etc., etc. And you'll hear from us then.